Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Up next, Luna Talks with Anna Paulina Luna. Part of the Gingrich 360 Network. It's no coincidence that violent crimes have soared across America, especially during the nationwide campaign to defund the police. This isn't rocket science. Where law enforcement is weak, criminals thrive. And the ones who suffer the most are minorities. Those same minorities who progressives promoting the defunding the police movement supposedly want to help. America needs to learn the truth before communities are ravaged. This is Luna Talks with Anna Paulina. Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of Luna Talks with me, your host, Anna Paulina. This week, we're going to be having a special guest with us, someone by the name of Officer Vasquez. And I wanted to bring him in to provide some perspective for you guys on what this whole idea of defund the police actually means. You know, over the last two presidential election cycles, defund the police and the idea behind it, largely rooted in BLM, mind you, has been a constant topic of discussion for many progressive Democrats. And it seems to be everywhere, not just in Hollywood, but on social media. You can't seem to run away from it. But what does defund the police actually mean? In my opinion, many people get caught up on what the actual meaning is and idea behind it. They don't understand that defund the police actually means monetarily defunding the police. Who does this impact? And why is this such a dangerous idea? Unfortunately, my experience, like most lower-income Americans growing up, knew firsthand what law enforcement did and had very, very early interactions with law enforcement. I remember many times growing up when my father was getting pulled over or because he was getting in trouble, he was getting arrested. I remember domestic disturbances where cops were called. And I remember sitting down with detectives after the armed robbery that I survived, looking through a book of black and white mugshots, trying to help the detectives identify the two guys that had held up the store. You know, that was my reality. And I didn't think that it was abnormal. But the one thing that I think it's important to know is that even as a child, I knew that if there was trouble, I had to dial 911. And sometimes I did. And those cops that would come, they would be there to fix whatever chaos I was experiencing. My question is this, do the legislators in Congress and Senate 
and these social movement activists and leaders realize that the hardest hit communities for defunding the police are the exact communities that they're claiming to quote unquote help. If you look at the violence that's taken place in Portland or Minneapolis or Chicago, that lifestyle, that hood mentality, the inner city gang culture is something that I would never wish upon anyone. And it's something that I actually experienced early on. These people, these law enforcement officers that on a regular basis have to deal with these brutal crime scenes, overdoses, domestic violences, crime on a regular basis, they are painted to be enemies of the public by the media, when in actuality, they're people just like you and I. And when I tell you what I saw and how I grew up and what I experienced, many times I was taken out of bad situations because law enforcement showed up, because good cops were there. Many members of the law enforcement community are much like that of the military community. They go hand in hand. These people lose friends. The community itself turns into family, but it can be absolutely brutal for personal lives. And if all of this wasn't bad enough, you have wealthy and entitled football players wearing socks with pigs on them, social media influencers and half of Hollywood calling law enforcement murderers, and elected officials refusing to back the very people that keep our community safe. I don't think that I've ever shared this with you guys before, but unfortunately, when I was about 10 years old, my father was arrested and he was brutally beaten by two law enforcement officers. He had a broken collarbone, black eyes, and was in pretty bad shape. I also remember, I think um, from what I recall, is that his actual wrist had been shattered. And it was so bad that he couldn't even drive to pick me up from school. And I remember seeing my father like that. And as a child, you just like, I hurt because I saw my father. I even sometimes now get emotional talking about it. But for me and for that experience, just because you had this happen as an isolated incident with these officers does not mean that all law enforcement are bad. And it does not mean that all police officers are bad. Should that have happened to my father? Absolutely not. And was I angry that it happened to him? Absolutely. But you cannot allow for these isolated incidences to be exploited and make blanket statements and assumptions based on that. And in fact, what I found as I grew up is that that whole idea of of branding the police and assuming that all law enforcement is bad, that's a complete lie. You know, I not only have an uncle that is a homicide detective whom we actually met later on in life. I knew him when I was about five, but that's about the age frame when I think he found my mom. He was actually adopted out from the family. Uh, but I have actually known and am proud to call several members of you know my friend unit, my friend family unit, they're law enforcement officers. And you can find countless videos on the internet and on social media of law enforcement doing good things. But the media is never going to show that to you. And why? Well, because if they did, it would completely discredit their argument and tactic of politically dividing this country. So today, I wanted to give you some insight into the life and experience of someone who I not only call my friend, but is a member of the law enforcement family. His name is Officer Vasquez, and we will be back with his story after this short break. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The 
The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Officer Vasquez is someone who I've had the privilege of really getting to know over the last year or so. He's an Army veteran, spent extensive time in his career in law enforcement working in narcotics, and is now canine officer. But his story is ex- the exact story that the media doesn't want you to hear, which is exactly why I asked him to join. Officer Vasquez, thank you so much for coming on to Luna Talks, and thank you for your service. For starters, I know that you're from New York. How did a young Puerto Rican kid like yourself find yourself not just in the military, but a member of law enforcement? Did you always want to be a cop? Uh, no, not initially. Um, so like you said, I was born in the Bronx, um, raised by two fantastic uh, parents, great uh, household, working parents. Um, The day changed uh, my mentality when September 11th happened. I was working at a pizza shop. I got word that a plane hit the tower. Uh, Being from New York, I'm thinking it's just some guy in a private jet showing off and, you know, he misjudged something, miscalculated something, and he accidentally hit the tower. So we turned on the TVs at the pizza shop and realized that uh, we were under attack and we watched the second uh, plane hit the tower. Uh, at that time was the first time in, in my life I had just turned 18 uh, the month prior. Uh, that was the first time I've ever heard the word terrorism and terrorist. And, and in short order, uh, they kind of narrowed it down to a geographical area in the Middle East that they believe that those are the people responsible for this terrorist attack. Uh, I called my dad while still at the pizza shop covered in flour and dough from getting prepped for the day uh, in the early morning. And I told him, I was like, hey, you know, I don't know what to do about this. You know, I, I feel like I should do something. I think I'm going to join the Army. Um, and that's that's what led to my service. Uh, September 11th uh, was a catalyst that, that wanted or that drove me to want to uh, serve our country. Now, I imagine especially just kind of with your family upbringing, I mean, your your parents must have been kind of scared, right? You're, there's your son obviously joining and then given the circumstance. I mean, now especially... I feel like people like you are really shattering stereotypes. What does your family think about what's happening right now with the way law enforcement is treated? Well, to go back to the original statement you made, they were absolutely terrified. I don't come from a long uh, or any kind of family background in in military or law enforcement. So for them to hear that their firstborn son is is volunteering to go uh, join the military, once we knew pretty much that we were going to end up in war, uh, they were definitely terrified. You know, my dad is a stoic kind of guy, and, and he just, you know, agreed and said, you know, good luck. And my mom obviously, you know, lost her mind, uh, but definitely both supportive. Um, they were definitely supportive of my decision to go into law enforcement after I got out of the military. Uh, and they've been with me every step of the way. Um, and it's a shame. And, and they're frustrated with how this, uh, this narrative is being turned now. You know, the day after September 11th, um, Law enforcement was praised for being the first responders to respond to September 11th to the towers being uh, attacked. And you take a look at, you know, we're about to hit the 20th anniversary uh, and it's a complete 180 on how the, the national narrative views police. 
So, you know, it's always interesting, especially with this whole concept of the defund the police movement that, you know, claims to help minorities, right? Like that's their whole motivation behind it. But it always fails to mention that there is such thing as minority law enforcement officers. And I know that on a ride along that I did that, you know, I saw so much camaraderie within the law enforcement community from people of all colors and creed. So, I mean, my question is, do you really have any data or facts that address what the defund the police movement has really done in regards to hurting, you know, minority and lower income communities, especially being that most of their whole goal and objective is to essentially, as they claim, help these communities? Yeah, absolutely. To to speak on one of the points you brought up, the agency that I work for is probably one of the most diverse in the area. Uh, You know, we cover all race, gender, creed. Uh, and sexual preference there is, you know, we are a true representation of our community. And and I think that's what all police departments strive for. And we're looking for those people uh, from all those diverse backgrounds to come and try to join the ranks and, and be a police officer so they can help serve their community. But some of the statistics is absolutely insane. Uh, for example, in Minneapolis, between December 11th, 2020 and March 28th of this year, murders in that city rose 46%. Uh, going back even further, there have been 49% more homicides since the initial budget cut in July 2020. Uh, the total violent crime in Minneapolis between July 22nd, 2020 and March 28th is also up 22% year over year. You know, you can go to New York uh, where murders are up 11.8% year to date as of March 21st. The number of shootings rose 40% in 2021. Um, LAPD, they're reporting a 38 increase in murders in 2020. And for 2021, murders are up 28.3%. Uh, you can go to Portland, which has more staggering statistics. In the first two months of 2021 alone, Portland reported 17 murders, which is a 1,600 increase uh, from the single murder reported during the first two months of 2020. Uh, the Portland Police Bureau of Statistics uh, shows that, that it's a 1600% increase, which is, it's staggering. Wow. And it's, it's always crazy to me. We have friends out in California that do private security. And a lot of them said that after this whole defund the police and really BLM started riding and, you know, the states were talking about actually taking away funding, um, that after that happened, there was an increase in private security. So it seems like those that are really wealthy that are pushing this, they can afford the private security and safety, but people, you know, from the lower income communities and from minority communities cannot. And I always kind of find that to be the hypocritical argument in all this is how could they actually say that they're helping when in actuality, just like the stats that you, you listed, it's actually making it worse for us. Um, a lot of police officers, especially now are retiring across the country and many more are discouraged from seeing so many people demonize the police. I imagine that this would probably deter a lot of the good recruits from joining the police movement and moving forward. Um, What would be your message to those who are unsure of getting involved with law enforcement, especially in this environment, or to those currently serving who are losing morale and possibly considering retiring? Yeah, uh, that's that's definitely a a, a fact. Um, In New York, 5,300 police officers have retired or submitted paperwork uh, to retire, to leave the force in 2020. That's a 75% increase from the previous year. That's 5,300 officers who are sitting there analyzing their life uh, and, and figuring out that it's not worth continuing to serve, uh, that they're better off retiring, which is sad. Um, what we're finding here uh, in the agency that I work for is that we are getting recruits. Um, we are getting people who are applying, who are certified police officers from out of state. Uh, some of those 
states are New York, Chicago, um, where they want to leave that ideology and that mindset of defund the police and come to an organization and a location like the agency that I work for that supports this police and, and work there. I think two things are going to happen. Um, one, you're going to have voids of very well-trained and people who have a lot of experience leaving their agencies and coming to agencies of like mind that are still pro-police. And the problem that we're seeing is, is who's going to fill that void? Are they going to have to take people who are not as qualified uh, just to fill the ranks? And that's scary. You know, it, it, it takes a special person to be a police officer. And we look for special traits in people. Um, you know, nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop. And we don't want those people uh, to become police officers if they're not doing it for the right reasons. What I would tell the people who are here um, is stand strong. You know, this is what you do. You join for a reason. Uh, you have a calling. And stand strong. And I think uh, with the silent majority and our legislators who are our friends, um, that we can keep it going in the right direction. And, and in partnership with the community, we can definitely uh, get out of this dark time. I love that you just said that, you know, no, no one hates bad cops more than good cops. I think that that's so important because especially now you see these blanket statements like they take an isolated incident and try to basically say that all law enforcement are bad. And that's the complete, absolutely complete and absolute lie. Um, by the way, how long have you been serving as a law enforcement officer? So I did five and a half years in the military uh, as a military police officer. And I've been at my agency now a little bit over 13 years. So about 18 and a half years in total uh, so far. Wow. Okay. So you've, you've definitely probably seen a ton, especially during your time in the military and then obviously working now as a law enforcement officer in the civilian sector. Is there one story that really stuck with you where you really feel that had you not been there, that someone possibly may have been killed and or that you knew for a fact that, you know, this whole movement to call for the defunding of the police, that that would have actually impacted, you know, this situation in a negative way? So it'd be hard to just think of one. Uh, when I worked narcotics, I was in a street crimes unit and we worked street level narcotics where we went and tried to arrest drug buyers and drug dealers on a daily basis. Um, and one instance comes to mind where we had an individual who I would say was preying on the uh, community. And that individual was selling heroin. Um, and when we arrested him, he was in possession of more than 100 individually packaged uh, packets of heroin. And if you think about, oh, it's just drugs, it's, that's not that big of a deal. Uh, a lot of stuff stems from drugs. When you have people who are addicted to, to drugs or dependent on drugs, They'll do anything for that. So they're robbing, they're stealing, they're committing murders. Um, they'll do anything they can to get their fix. So somebody uh, was in that community, in the minority community, uh, poisoning their community. Um, and another example is a, as a canine handler. Um, I was able to, we were able to get a call um, of a individual who was uh, sexually, being a sexual predator on a minor under the age of nine. Uh, we got that call late at night. We were able to respond within minutes. Uh, I was able to get out with my police canine dog and track the individual and apprehend him. You know, had we not been called, um, who knows what would have happened to that little girl? Had we not been able to respond that fast, who would have known what would have happened to that little girl? And if we would not have been able to catch him, who knows how many more victims he would have preyed upon? So I think defunding the police is bad because what it would do is slow down police response. It's not that police wouldn't want to respond as quickly, but there would be less police officers to do so. 
uh, and that bogs down the system. We, we take pride in being able to respond to 911 calls as fast as possible in every and any community. Wow, that's um, that's a really incredible story. And obviously, thank you so much for everything that you guys have to deal with on a regular basis. I can tell you that even just hearing that story alone, that there's so much that I feel like you guys deal with that just the general public is oblivious to. And it just it's incredible that you guys push forward the way that you do. Um, you know, before we wrap up your interview, though, I want to ask you a few more questions. So sit tight, everyone, and we'll be right back after this short break. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. So in practical terms, how do the significant budget cuts like we've seen in New York City and elsewhere to police departments hurt their ability to do their jobs effectively? And should we actively be increasing budgets so that these departments can invest more money in training to better prepare officers for the kinds of incidences that we hear about in the news? Absolutely. The the thought of defunding a police department or police agency or police in general is mind boggling. Um, Police respond to 911 calls. We need a certain number of police officers to be able to be on the street at a given time to handle all those 911 calls. We don't ever want to put a 911 call on hold and and let that person who's potentially going through their worst experience in their life uh, wait a delayed amount of time to have an officer respond to them. We take pride in how quick we respond to our calls. Um, In that sense, it's a customer service uh, group. We want to get to the issue as fast as possible. And we know that 99.9% of the times, it's a life-saving measure. Uh, when people call 911, you know, for the most part, it's not because the neighbor's dog is barking. It's because something traumatic is happening. Um, and as far as training, I love that you said that. I am a training freak. Um, I practice Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I think something like that needs to be more funded and, and brought to agencies uh, times 10. You know, whatever the training budget is for defensive tactics, needs to be raised throughout the country. Um, I don't ever want a police officer's first experience with an incident being on the street. I want that to happen in the training room. I want that to happen to a training environment. And I want it to happen multiple times so that doing the right thing becomes second nature. You know, if you've never been in a physical altercation with somebody and you find yourself getting beat up, um, Who knows what's running through your mind and what action you may take to save your life. But if you have the confidence of of being able to control that situation, that situation becomes safer for you and that situation becomes safer for the the person you're trying to apprehend. Um, I think defensive tactics is is huge. But funding for training in general, de-escalation training, that needs to be happening. And if we have a limited number of officers on the streets, 
we can't pull them away for training because then they won't be able to respond to 911 calls. So more money, more officers for these departments creates a better uh, existence for the community and the police. Wow. And it's interesting, actually, you bring that up. I remember from the ride along that I had gone on, there was actually a female officer that was at one of the stops that we were at. And she had actually, I guess, just come back from being on leave. She had been assaulted and was able because of her training to defend herself. And thank God that she's here today because she was basically attacked by a very bad man. And so I know that that is something, obviously when you guys go to work in many instances, it can be life and death. And I think a lot of people tuning in realize that, but it's, you know, it's unfortunate that the mainstream media and that, you know, Hollywood and these celebrities feel so entitled that that they understand your experiences and they just have no idea what you guys are dealing with. Um, I guess, you know, that would kind of segue into our final question here. You know, obviously you're very involved with the law enforcement community. And if people listening to this show want to get involved and support LEO, um, what are some organizations that they can give to? Should they volunteer? What would you recommend for how people can give back to our law enforcement community? Absolutely. So uh, not only am I a police officer, um, but I'm the president of the Suncoast Police Benevolent Association. Um, I have about 1,500 uh, and, ri- and, and rising number of uh, officers and deputies that I represent uh, as their union president. Um, we, you know, we had a significant loss this year in Deputy Magley. Um, so what I would say is the way people could help support their law enforcement is through donating uh, their time, their money, and their efforts to the Suncoast Law Enforcement Charities. Uh, we can be found at um, our handle, Suncoast PBA on Facebook and Instagram at Suncoast PBA. And we have those handles at uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, but, you know, beyond on a money and, and volunteering standpoint, when you see your police officer, just thank your police officer and, and let them know that, that you stand there with them and that you support them. You know, uh, sometimes people take that for granted, but I, I see an officer smile every time somebody approaches them and thanks them for their service. It lets us know that the community is still with us. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Officer Vasquez, for joining us today on Luna Talks. And for those who tuned in, I think it's really important to remember that it's also our job to help share these stories like the ones Officer Vasquez has shared. You know, law enforcement officers are people just like you and I, and they deal with a lot on a regular basis and many times don't get paid enough. And we can change hearts and minds, but it starts by changing the conversation and educating our peers, especially in this crazy world that we're currently in. Don't ever be afraid to speak the truth and you never know whose life you can impact or in this officer's case, save. Before we go, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on social media, Twitter, Parler, Facebook, and Instagram at Real Anna Paulina. And a special thank you to our producer, Drew Steele writer Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 
The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific.